Welcome to Sunshine State Takes, everyone. This is Matt McConnell with my partner, Brandon Carroll. Uh, we gave you guys a new episode yesterday. We talked about college football, so make sure you guys go and listen to that. We recapped Florida, Georgia, Notre Dame, Clemson, and gave a little preview for the Florida-Arkansas game as well as some SEC COVID struggles. So go ahead and, and give that a listen if you haven't already. Uh, I got the construction guys outside, so you might hear a little bit of noise, but hopefully it's nothing too much. And uh, we're going to talk some NFL football today. Um, you know, Tua's performance, uh, the Saints beat down of the Bucks, and a look forward towards uh, Bill's Cardinals. So, Brandon, how are you doing on this Thursday afternoon? I'm doing great. You know, I had a little, uh, a little adventure this morning of just trying to get out of bed because it's been so gloomy outside that I just want to sleep. Yeah. Like, I literally just want to lay around and do nothing. So, motivation's been tough the past few days. However, um, you know, getting the show on the road has helped. Uh, I had to do an assignment right before this, and then um, as well as doing this show is kind of helping me progress throughout my day with a more uh, well-rounded structure. So I'm excited to talk about some sports today, talk about some football. And I have a, I have a pretty interesting take for my what's on my, what's on my mind. So uh, yeah, get, get ready we'll, to hear about that. We'll get into it. And you talk about, you talk about it being gloomy outside. We got a storm coming in. So I don't know how badly it's going to hit us here in Jacksonville, but uh, you know, rain is going to be the norm for the next few days. So uh, you know, hopefully when Ada passes, I think that's what it's called. Ada, is it, yeah. I don't, is it, a, is it a hurricane or tropical storm? Tropical storm. I haven't even, tropical storm Ada, that's what I thought. So looks like it's going to go up the Gulf a bit and we might get some rain, but uh, definitely some gray skies for the next few days. But we're going to get into the show. That was our little Sunshine State Takes weather report because we do live in Florida and rain is something we deal with often. But, uh, you know, we're going to get into the main focus after our intro song, which is uh, the NFL. So we'll be right back. Sunshine State takes everybody. Like Matt said, I'm Brandon Carroll alongside Matt McConnell. And today we're going to be talking about the NFL and our weekly NFL show that we started just a few weeks ago as we broke up college and pro football as football moved into being the only sport being played uh, in the fall of 2020 now that uh, all the other sports are now, they've now crowned champions. So um, Matt, as we always do in, uh, at the beginning of the show, what's on your mind? Yeah, so I'm taking a bit of a different route for the what's on my mind today. I'm almost it's almost gonna be uh my new little mini segment. I'm gonna call it Matt's Forgotten QBs. I, I guess we can go with that. Uh so the the topic of my what's on my mind, I found myself watching Josh Freeman highlights the other night. And if you're if you are a football fan, watch the NFL closely. Josh Freeman is definitely a name that you should know. He was the Tampa Bay Buccaneers QB from 2009 to 2012 got released due to some character issues and then uh, started a game with the Vikings 
and a game with the Colts in 2013 in 2015. But I found myself watching his highlights because I was kind of just thinking about it. Like, you know, whatever happened to Josh Freeman, you know, uh, and you take a look at some of his stats, his first year in the league, 2009, he wasn't great. He had 10 touchdowns to 18 interceptions, but 2010, he comes out, he has 3,500 yards, 25 touchdowns and six interceptions. The Bucks actually went 10 and six in 2010 and missed the playoffs. So with things looking up in Tampa in the 2011 season, they actually came back. Uh, and met the expectations fairly well with a 4-11 and record. That was Josh Freeman's uh, record. He started 15 games. He came back out with a 4-11 and record with 16 touchdowns to 22 interceptions. The thing that I think is interesting with Josh Freeman is, uh, you know, you watch his highlights and you watch uh, his game tape in the eye test. He, uh, he had all the intangibles. He had a fairly big body, a strong arm. Uh, you know, his footwork struggled a little bit, but... Uh, he played well and certainly did have the Bucks in contention. Even in 2012, he he had them on a four-game winning streak at one point, but it was ultimately just the character issues and not really being able to make most of a bad situation. He didn't really get along well with Coach Greg Schiano, and that led to you know his career kind of dying out. So a promising car- uh, career turned in uh, to nothing, and he's uh, kind of a forgotten player because of it. Yeah, and I always think that's super unfortunate whenever a player like that who holds the intangibles to be one of the you know premier quarterbacks in the NFL. Obviously, he wasn't going to be uh, a first ballot Hall of Famer by any means, but he was being able to uh, put the no. bucks on his back to be able to win some football games. It's just unfortunate that the struggles between the ears kind of derailed his career, um, just not being able to make the right decisions at times and ultimately uh, costed himself being a, a, a job really and and in hindsight it it was it's it's a tough situation it's hard to um criticize him right now obviously that was a while ago um and it's just obviously overall it's just it's tough it's tough it is and uh watching some of those videos one of the things i'm i'm about to finish up here but one of the things that was really interesting uh was that you know, some of the people that he was throwing to, I was watching like his 2012 highlight reel. He had Vincent Jackson and Dallas Clark and Doug Martin and the bucks on offense actually had a bit of a squad there. And it's just unfortunate that, you know, like you said, between the ears, the quarterback position was never really able to fully pan out and he would dish out a good season and then come back with a bad season, put up another respectable season. uh, And then, you know, another, lackluster season which led to him getting cut so that's my uh, forgotten qb segment for the day you said you had something bold for what's on your mind uh take it away well as many of you know at the beginning of the season i kind of made a proclamation that the minnesota vikings would be atop the nfl and they would be one of the teams that i predicted to go and represent the nfc in the super bowl obviously i have now changed my opinion to a different uh nfc um NFC North team in the Green Bay Packers. However, don't count out the Vikings for the playoffs. I understand they started 1-5. I understand that they hadn't looked great offensively, defensively. But after starting 1-5, they've, they've won two games in a row. And they've done it off the, backs of Dalvin, off the back of Dalvin Cook, who has been a phenomenal uh, running back this season in the NFL. And honestly, is playing the best football out of anyone, whether that be at his position or any other position in the NFL. He's averaging 6 yards per carry, 122 yards per game. He has 12 touchdowns, 858 yards total, and he's missed a game due to uh, due to injury that he suffered against 
the Seattle Seahawks, I'm pretty sure, in the first half of that game. So really he's missed two or one and a half games, and he's still being one of the best running backs in the entire league. So I just look at this Minnesota team. I think they're getting it together offensively and using him as a workhorse and then allowing Kirk Cousins to benefit and really use Dalvin Cook as a uh, – they're using him in terms of being able to get Kirk Cousins play action opportunities, and I think that's benefiting Kirk very well considering his struggles early on in the season. Defensively, they were kind of plagued with injuries at the beginning of the season. Obviously, uh, you know they lost Everson Griffin at the beginning of the year um, to the Cowboys in, in free agency. Xavier Rhodes was gone. They lost some big name players, and then they turn around. Daniel Hunter leaves uh, due to injury, or didn't leave, but he is out due to injury. Yannick Ngakwe gets shipped away, and we're kind of looking at this Minnesota defense as the unit that can really hold them back. However, since Yannick got kind of pushed away from that franchise, they've stepped it up, and they've stepped it up against two strong divisional opponents in the Detroit Lions and the Green Bay Packers, winning two weeks in a row to make the record 3-5, and and they have a chance to extend that winning streak against the Chicago Bears on Monday night this week to go 4-5. and And looking at the rest of their schedule – Minnesota is a threat to be reckoned with because they have a chance to go ten and six. If not, uh, you know, if they if they can't pull out the wins against the bigger opponents, nine and seven. Uh, but don't count on Minnesota for that uh, really sixth or seventh wild card spot uh, as of right now. Yeah, it goes. Uh, so they got the Bears Monday night, then they got the Cowboys, Panthers, Jaguars, Bucks, Bears, Saints, Lions, and the Bucks and Saints is where we look at this Viking schedule and say, okay. That's where the losses can come in. But even then, we know the Vikings are a team that, as of recent years, have the Saints number a little bit. We saw them win a playoff game in Mercedes-Benz Superdome last year. We also saw them take down Drew Brees and the Saints on the Minneapolis Miracle back in 2017. Granted, uh, Case Keenum and Stephon Diggs were who made that play happen. Both are no longer on the team. Uh, But uh, Kirk Cousins and Dalvin Cook and Adam Thielen all are still on the team, and that had a big part in taking them down in the wild card round last year. That game's going to be on Christmas Day, so we were talking that that game potentially could have a lot of implications on the NFC playoff picture if the Vikings are in contention. Um, and you know, the Vikings at the same time they could they could be in a much better situation right now. Yeah. Uh, you know, a one point loss to the Titans, a one point loss to the Seahawks and just a bad loss to the Falcons. Um, They've certainly had some things just not go their way this year, but uh, with Dalvin Cook back healthy, running for 200-plus yards in two straight games, I believe it's been, um, you know, the the Vikings look like they're just getting started because when Dalvin Cook's putting up those 200 rushing yards, it allows Kirk Cousins to do his thing in the passing game, in the play-action game, and get the ball to Adam Thielen and get the ball to up-and-coming rookie Justin Jefferson, who has done a very good job of replacing that Stephon Diggs role in Minnesota this year. So it looks like it's starting to click a bit for the Minnesota Vikings. And you're certainly right. With this with the schedule coming up, they are a force to be reckoned with in the league. So watch out. Absolutely. And the the crazy thing about it is, is that uh, really in the beginning of the season, I, I'm, I'm going to toot my own horn here a little bit. At the beginning of the season, I called for the Vikings – to stop with the dropping Kirk Cousins back and trying to throw him 30 times a game because that's not necessary for the Vikings to win. We need to see that more, if if not balanced, that leaning to the right of being a running team because of the talent Dalvin Cook has, along with Alexander Madison, who is his counterpart, who is really not that far much not that far behind Dalvin in terms of production. 
Uh, and we saw that against Seattle when he came in and ran for 100 yards when Dalvin got hurt. So they finally changed that philosophy offensively, and they're pay- it's paying dividends for them as they continue to just milk the clock and run over some of these teams that like the Packers, who really should... I looked at that game and I was like, oh, Packers have that one. And then because of the bad loss that the Vikings had just played, uh, had just suffered to the Falcons pre- before their bye week, but it's coming out of the bye week, the Vikings have looked dominant almost yeah. because they're imposing their will on opposing teams. Dalvin Cook had 22 carries for 206 yards and two touchdowns against the Detroit Lions. That's not even including the uh, that's not even including how many receiving yards he had with 46 on only two receptions. So yeah. he's that they are getting it done through their bell cow and former Florida State University uh, running back in Cook and. I love this Vikings team. I really do. I think uh, that they are, uh, despite their early season struggles, they're starting to really come together as a unit. And for the bigger and better teams, as we've looked at them to this point in the season, uh, mainly the Saints and the Bucks, who will be on their schedule, Vikings can't afford to be taken lightly because if they continue at this, there's a legitimate shot. I said 10 and 6. They could pull out both of those victories and go eleven and five and just go on a crazy winning streak to get into the playoffs. But it's ten, ten and six is definitely more likely. However, Vikings in the playoffs. I'm calling it now, hitting the button. Vikings are getting into the playoffs as the five or six seed in the NFC. It's not unheard of for a one and five team to make the playoffs. It happened two years ago with the Indianapolis Colts. They were yeah. one and five and they went ten and six. They even ended up winning a playoff game over the Houston Texans. So certainly not over for the Vikings. Yeah, as we move on, unless you have anything else you want to add, uh, it's time to get into Tua time. Tua time. We talked about Tua uh, on our last week's NFL episode, and we gave a quick recap of of his performance against the Rams' his first career start uh, for the Miami Dolphins. And, you know, 12-22 for 93 yards, then a touchdown. He had that one turnover on the first play of the game. I believe he was strip sacked. But, you know, for, for for the rest of the game, he didn't really make any big mistakes. He threw a touchdown to Devontae Parker, but he didn't do much. Uh, and this game against the Arizona Cardinals was just a completely different story. First off, I love the fact that we're seeing more QBs starting to wear that number one again. We had yeah. Tua versus Kyler in Arizona, the battle of the young number ones. Uh, I thought I thought that was cool. And uh, Tua certainly showed out in this game, and this is who we want to focus on in this segment. 20 of 28, 248 yards, two touchdowns, 122.3 passer rating, and 87.7 QBR. And it's not just the stat sheet. If you see some of the throws he was making, he was dropping dimes all over the field. Um, I know he had Preston Williams on a couple deep balls. He was able to get the ball to Parker. He had a nice touchdown throw on a fade to the back of the end zone to Jacecki. Back Matt Collins. Matt Collins was the one that caught that. I thought Jacecki caught that they, touchdown. The, <laughs> so the announcer said Jacecki, but it was Hollins. Okay, then yeah. that's why I yeah. thought that. Yeah. Uh, on top of that, Jacecki had another. He had another nice throw in Jacecki mm-hmm. in that game. Yeah. I think it was on the game-winning drive. Yeah. Uh, for the field goal, he avoided some pressure and he put a ball right on the helmet of of Jacecki. I thought that was a nice throw too. And uh, you know, Tua just he took such a big step forward in one week, going from. 93 yards to 248 uh you know adding two more touchdowns and staying turnover uh turnover free and it's it's awesome that we finally saw Tua have this performance because we've seen Herbert play this year we know what Herbert's all about we've seen Burrow play this year we know what Burrow's all about now we finally get to see uh you know what a what a uh 
what a good performance from Tua will look like at the professional level. And that's what we saw on Sunday. And he just further proves that this QB draft class is one of the better ones in recent history. Oh, absolutely. I don't remember the last time we could legitimately say that three rookie quarterbacks have come into the league, started in their first season, and have all been looked at as if they're franchise quarterbacks because of the high level of play that they've played out. Obviously, two his sample size is a lot smaller than the others. He had one not-so-good game, one really... I would say one very good game because he yeah. was turnover free. He threw for he was seventy one point four percent in completion percentage, and he averaged eight point nine yards per um, completion. So he was looking as if he was controlling that offense. He was going against our Arizona Cardinals team, who leads the league in in terms of total offense. So he was wasn't only just battling Arizona's defense. He was also trying to make sure that he outscored an Arizona team that knows how to uh, punch the football into the end zone with Kyler Murray. Uh, and the weapons that he has at his disposal. Therefore, I look at Tua, and I look at what the Dolphins were able to do, and once again, I'm, I'm kind of blown away, and they've exceeded my expectations um, because of this victory that they were able to accomplish uh, this past week. Yeah, and a lot of the concerns about Tua coming in were he has his hip injury, can he stay healthy, he's a lefty, he's only six feet, and, you know, I think these are things that Tua's been taking into consideration. He, uh, he, he looked more than up to the task against the Arizona Cardinals, and he showed all the makings of uh, a successful NFL QB. I mean, the arm strength was there. He, he just made some incredible throws. He was accurate. Uh, he even had some great plays, uh, you know, with the pockets surrounding around him and just being able to make some of those defensive linemen miss uh, and, you know, turn it into a six-yard run for a first down or, uh, you know, on that game-tying touchdown drive where he hit, Matt Collins, he was able to avoid, uh, you know, the defenders. He was going to go down for a sack, and he turned it into a 15-yard gain. I mean, just the escapability of this guy paired with the arm strength and the accuracy, uh, you know, as long as he does continue to stay healthy, I think the Dolphins are going to learn sooner rather than later that they found their guy. Yeah, definitely. And the crazy thing is, is even before his injury, many people were kind of looked at him as if we like his arm talent, we like what he's able to do with the football through the air, but are, is his mobility there for to be an NFL quarterback in the changing ways of the NFL with the mobile quarterbacks being really the focal point of many teams? Obviously, he's playing against one of the best and being mobile in Kyler Murray. And obviously, he didn't have the same type of day that Kyler Murray did in having 11 carries for 106 yards and a touchdown. But he was still able to be efficient. He was able to turn losses into gains by going for seven carries, 35 yards, uh, with the 17 um, being his long. So he, he was able to, like you said, take you know take that uh, play at the end of the game, make it to where it would have been a sack, and then get some extra yardage out of it um, right. because of what he was able to do and being able to get out of the pocket and not just get out of the pocket, but get past the line of scrimmage, get to the second level and kind of you know make some people miss as he's getting up the field. Yeah, and so we look at this Dolphins team that uh, me and you both said come into the season that they have a legitimate shot to exceed expectations they currently sit at five and three and we were talking about this upcoming stretch that the dolphins have with the chargers broncos jets bengals we weren't 100 percent sure if they were going to beat the cardinals uh we kind of had that as a toss-up with a chance for them to be eight and four after that stretch uh now they have beaten the cardinals and with this upcoming stretch of the chargers broncos jets bengals the cardinals have a legitimate chance to find themselves at nine and three and right up there in the AFC East race with the Buffalo Bills. So we're going to get 
into in a second as uh, as they are about to have a matchup with the Arizona Cardinals. So the AFC East and the Arizona Cardinals, a big uh, focus of today's episode. But uh, it's just it's really intriguing uh, to see where Brian Flores, the position he's been able to put this team in by adding talent, going after big names in free agency, uh, you know, being able to avoid that 0-16 record that they were projected to get, being able to beat two playoff teams and still being able to land the guy that their fans were calling them to tank for. I mean, I just feel like everything that could have gone right for the Dolphins is going right. Uh, and with the Chargers and the Broncos and the Jets and Bengals coming up, I, I am going to pencil them in for all four of those games. I think I think L.A. keeps it close with them for a little bit, but they should have no issues at all beating the Broncos, Jets, and Bengals. It gets tough after that, though. They go Kansas City, New England, Oakland – or not Oakland, Las <laughs> Vegas, and Buffalo. I've, I still do that, I guess. Yeah. Um, and, you know, is, if they can get themselves in a good position, uh, you know, to where they can afford to drop two of those games in that good stretch, that would be good. So that's why it's important that they need to get to nine and three on this four game stretch because, uh, you know, Kansas city is as hard as anyone in the league to beat. Uh, you know, we still knew this is a new England team that despite their struggles, were able to beat the dolphins in week one. I know it's, it's a much different dolphins team now. Uh, and then the Raiders, uh, just like the dolphins moved into the playoff picture, uh, with a win over the chargers this past week. So, uh, you know, that could, that could be a potential, uh, matchup of wild card playoff teams in week 16 and then the Buffalo Bills on week 17, uh, you know, with both of these teams uh, Being, trending up the way they yeah. are, that could be for the division. So, yeah, uh, legitimate you know, very, AFC East title right there. Yeah. Uh, so it's very, it's very important for the Dolphins to take advantage of these next four games. Um, and before we get into this Bills Cardinals game, we got to talk about, unless you have anything you want to add to that. Well, I just wanted to touch on, you know, that four-game stretch. Obviously, there's no reason they should lose to the Chargers, Broncos, Jets, or Bengals. But the toughest out of all of them is going to be against the Broncos in the altitude. Obviously, this is a Florida yeah. team uh, going across uh, to the West Coast. Obviously, not every team is the Jaguars. They don't all suck on the West Coast. However, I know the time change can be difficult for a lot of people, especially people that have never made that trip. Someone like Tua, who's never really uh, taken that trip across into uh, well i mean i guess they just did it with arizona so i'm i'm wrong right. but anyways um i still think that going into the altitude in, in denver is going to be the most difficult they can pull that one out as a legitimate shot they go 4-0 in that seer in that uh in those games and then I, I think um looking at the rest of the schedule i'm not gonna make official predictions because i, I want to see how they fare in those four games those must win games those should win games um but the legitimacy of the dolphins winning two to three of those final four games is not as stretched as it may look. Uh, obviously, right. it's the, those are some historically tough teams, but at the same time, uh, the Dolphins are becoming a tough team to compete with in the NFL. Right. So, yeah, uh, it's certainly going to be interesting. They got the Chargers 4 o'clock at home on Sunday, and the Dolphins are one of the teams that are allowing fans this year. So as the Dolphins continue to win games and improve, I'm sure that home field advantage will continue to grow even yeah. despite the limited crowd. They will so also keep... they will also be wearing their throwbacks this weekend. Yes. And so that's going to be a beautiful sight. Yep. Yeah. See, Tua should be thankful he got drafted <laughs> by the Dolphins because he, he got drafted by potentially the cleanest uniforms in the NFL. Yeah. 
Um, and I, I've always been a firm believer that the Dolphins have sick uniforms. I just, I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's the tradition. I don't know if it's because they had Dan Marino slinging the rock in those uniforms for so long. Something about the Dolphins uniforms are just, they, they, they do a good job. I tell you what, that's going to be a beautiful combination between the Chargers and the Dolphins. Cause I think the Chargers yeah. also have some nice uniforms. Bring out the bl- yeah. baby blue pants. And the, yeah, uh, no. if and the, the Chargers, white jerseys. Ooh. If the Chargers go with those baby blues, man, it's gonna be it's gonna be like the seventies up in there. In Miami. <laughs> baby yeah. blues versus those set because that, that logo on the Dolphins helmets is like their seventies throwback logo. Yeah, yeah. So I think the Dolphins are gonna go with all white. And it would be cool to see the Chargers uh, don the baby blue jerseys for that game. That's something to keep an eye on. Um, you know, you think uh, they go how, all how, white, how, or do you think the they Dolphins, go with the agua? The Dolphins usually were all white at home. Yeah. They're, they're, I, them so and the was, Cowboys both. I was, yeah, and, I know that. I was just thinking since they're going throwback, I'd say they go the Agua, like the throwback Agua, right. you know what I'm talking about? I think that they, might be the move. They have, they've done both. Okay. Um, okay. When I, when I went to Miami last year to see the Patriots play them, they, the Dolphins were wearing their throwbacks, but they were wearing all white and the gotcha. Patriots wore their blue. But I've also seen the Dolphins do throwback night in Miami. I think it was also, I think in 2017 when uh, the Patriots were playing Miami on a Monday night, the the Dolphins did throwbacks, but they wore blue. So they switch it up. I'm not sure what they're going to do on Sunday, but I think either way they're they're rolling out some heat. Yes, sir. Absolutely. So, Absolutely. So, that's a fact. Heat. Yeah. Heat, heat in Miami. Uh, another team that's allowing fans in the stadiums, and they had fans in the stadium for a big Sunday night matchup against the Saints, uh, where every fan that attended that game was disappointed, is uh, Raymond James Stadium in the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. It was an absolute butt-whooping on Sunday night. Did not live up to expectations at all. Patriots-Jets on a Monday night somehow ended up being a better game. Uh, you know, what went wrong for the Buccaneers here? Because the Buccaneers didn't, uh, they, they somehow managed to look worse than they did against this team in week one and even worse in week two when they looked sluggish against the Panthers. And pretty much any time we had seen the Bucks be bad this year, uh, you know, they swooped to a new level of low in the Sunday night game against the Saints. So what, what went wrong? They just got punched in the mouth by the New Orleans Saints yet again. Yeah. They, you know, I, I feel like they were rolling in with a pretty solid uh, knowledge that they had a chance to really take over the division uh, the Saints came in with that uh, same understanding that this game really decides who will be one of the top seeds in the NFC and which will have that wild card slot and have to go on the road in the playoffs. And I think that the Saints came in understanding they hadn't played great to this point in the season and wanted to make a statement against arguably the best team to this point in the NFL. And that's exactly what they did. I mean, they held uh, they held Tom Brady out of the end zone completely through three interceptions. Ronald Jones was their leading rusher with three carries for nine yards. So it's not like they were able to do anything on the ground as well either. And then Tom Brady had 209 yards, but most of that came when they were, the game was already lost after the Saints went up yeah. 28 to nothing. I remember I was watching uh, a point of this game when I was really just looking down at my phone because um, I was writing a uh, something for a school. And because I write on my phone, I'm not someone that types on the computer. I'm just weird like that. But yeah. um, so I was writing something on my phone. Uh, it's zero zero. I look down. I finish what I'm doing. Look up. It's twenty eight to nothing. And I'm like, what? So I yeah. go. So I kind of you know go through the the game log and the play by play just to kind of look at what has transpired. And all I saw was just complete and utter. 
dominance of one team over the other. And it's yeah. really no other way to put it because there was nothing that Tampa Bay could do. This looked, ex- this looked exactly like what Tampa Bay just had done to the Green Bay Packers a few weeks ago. They, you know, but the only difference is the Saints dominated from the first snap to the last snap. And, and with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they got down 10 nothing and then dominated from that point on. But the 38-3 to margin in the NFL is like a 60 to nothing blowout in college football. This was a game that no one expected and was one that should really be concerning for a Tampa Bay team looking to make a playoff run this season. Yeah, I mean, this this was a game of uh, the, the two uh, old men QBs going at it in the the retirement state of Florida, uh, you know, the two Southern teams, Drew Brees from Louisiana and Tom Brady playing for his team in Florida, going at it under the palm trees on a Sunday night. And Drew Brees was just the better old man in this game, 26 to 32 for 222 yards and four touchdowns. The Bucks got the ball to start the game, uh, went three and out, and the Saints marched down and scored with ease. And then from there, it was just, uh, you know, the Bucks not being able to improve their field positioning and, punting it to the 50 every time new Orleans was starting pretty much every drive. It seemed like at midfield and they were just marching down and scoring. And then when the bucks were down 21, nothing uh, you know, the bucks had their first solid play of the day. I think Brady hit Godwin or uh, Tyler Johnson or someone on a, on a slant route. And then the next play uh, you know, they tried to execute a, sc- a screen pass and it was intercepted and the saints go up 28, nothing. Yeah. And that, that was effectively it. But I mean, you just need to. I just need to read off one one thing. So, the the Saints, or let me let me start with the Bucks. So the Bucks threw it thirty eight times. Mm-hmm. The Saints threw it thirty five times. Yeah. Uh, but th- this is where this is where it just gets ugly, and this tells the whole story. The Bucks ran it five times. Yep. Which, up until the Blaine Gabbert kneel down, they would have only had four rush attempts. Yep. Which I believe Al Michaels and Chris Collinsworth said it only happened four other times in NFL history. Yep. Uh, where a team only runs it four times. The Saints ran it 37. Uh, yep. So 37 rushing attempts, 35 passing attempts for the Saints compared to 38 to 5 for the Bucks. Well, that, uh, you know, that's what, ha- that's what happens when you fall behind early and cool. the Saints the Saints shut it down. That's also indicative of the 40-04 time of possession for the Saints and the 1956 for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They just right. didn't have the plays to be able to run the f- football because the Saints were, you know, they were dominating every aspect. They out they out uh, snapped the Buccaneers 73 to 46. 73 to 46 in a National yeah. Football League game uh, and totaled 420 yards to the Buccaneers 194 due to losses in the rushing game. It's yep. it just blows my mind how that's even possible, uh, especially for two teams that really are atop that NFC. Yeah, I mean this is a this is probably as big of a blowout as you'll see. Yeah. in the NFL, I yep. wasn't expecting it. You know, we all thought this was going to be it. one of the games of the year. It was going to come down to the wire. It was going to be a battle between Brady and Breeze, and the Saints just absolutely destroyed them. So the Saints uh, sweep the Bucks in the season series. Maybe these two teams will see each other again in the playoffs, but as of right now, there's no reason as to why the Saints shouldn't make that three and zero if they do have to play again. Yeah, and you I know, if I them. if I'm the Bucks and I know I might have to play the Saints, I am hoping one of those other teams can take them out. I'm hoping the Seahawks can take them out because I can contend with the team with no defense. But the Seahawks or the Seattle or sorry Saints, sorry a lot of S's. The Saints yep. defense uh, is one I do not want to even go near one more time this nope. season. At all. All right. So, uh, you know, now, so that was our last week's game of the week. 
now we got to get into this week's game of the week. Absolutely. Uh, we got the Buffalo Bills and the Arizona Cardinals, another four o'clock game in the desert. This time it's going to be uh, Josh Allen taking on Kyler Murray. We got the five and three Cardinals, seven and two Bills. Uh, and, you know, it, there's no reason why this shouldn't be a good game. The, the Cardinals are coming off that loss to, uh, you know, AFC East rival of the Bills, Miami Dolphins. And the Bills are coming off a dominant win over the league's worst defense in the Seattle Seahawks, where their defense was also able to force Russell Wilson into some mistakes. Uh, the, the Bills just looked overall dominant. And I thought after a rough four-game stretch where they lost to the Titans, lost to the Chiefs, played sluggish against the Jets and barely escaped the Patriots. Uh, you know, the Bills came out and kind of, uh, you know, reinvented themselves and reintroduced themselves to the league saying, hey, you know, this is what our offense can do. This is what our defense can do. And I think they're bringing in a lot of momentum into this game on Sunday. Absolutely. And if anyone wants to go, tickets start as low as $348 per seat uh, in uh it's the State Farm Arena. Yeah, I'm just kidding. I'm that's that's hefty. <laughs> that is I mean, I could, that is ridiculous. Uh, I don't plus even plus a plane ticket plus a hotel. Yeah, that is hefty. Yeah. <laughs> I I just saw that on the side where it says fine tickets. I just think that's yeah. funny. Um, however, as of right now, the Cardinals hold the uh, the they're the favorite to win this game by two and a half. And yeah, am I surprised? No, because the Cardinals have looked very good this season. However, the Bills didn't just beat the Seahawks. They took away the one thing that the Seahawks have done well all season, and that's their offense. They right. weren't the, uh, despite scoring uh, that um, 34 points that the Seahawks did, Russell Wilson was not the same guy, not the same MVP candidate that he has been all season. Obviously, he almost oh. threw for 400 yards, but he got outplayed by a guy that early on in the season we were considering as an MVP candidate in Josh Allen, who went 31 for 38, 415 yards and three tutties. So, I mean, I I was really blown away by this game because I didn't think that the Bills, especially off the games that they had played, like you mentioned, they were sluggish, uh, it, really four games in a row, losing two, winning two. Um, however, now we go into this matchup, and this is really going to be a toss-up. Are we going to get the Bills that beat down on the Seahawks last week that put up 44 points um, against the league's worst defense. And really, is it going to be a high-scoring battle between two really, well, as of last week, two really good offenses? Or is this going to be one that the Bills kind of slow down and make it a lower-scoring game? I think if they get into a shootout, the Bills don't win this game. But I think if they can slow down the game, slow down Kyler Murray, will not allow him to be the dynamic factor that he is uh, at the quarterback position for the Cardinals, the Bills can for sure pull out this victory and then start to look ahead to uh, really a, a, an easier stretch in the Chargers and Bills or the Chargers and 49ers before they play the Pittsburgh Steelers um, in right. Buffalo uh, in the I think week 13. Yeah, well Arizona and Seattle are very similar on offense in terms of you know they can score from any part of the field. They're electric. They got playmakers. And like you said, Buffalo was able to take that offensive aspect away from the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, and that paired with the league's worst defense was not going to be a winning uh, recipe for the Seahawks. And it certainly wasn't. It was a 10-point loss, uh, a score that was a, certainly a lot closer than the game was. Buffalo was in control the whole time. And unlike their previous meeting with the L.A. Rams, Buffalo actually held on this time, didn't allow the Seahawks to get back in it. Um, but I, I do think we're trending towards a shootout in this game. I think I, I don't know. I don't see them replicating that 
success twice in a row. I mean, uh, you know, being, you know, despite being able to limit uh, the Seahawks offense at home, we still saw this Bills defense get kind of pushed around by the, by the Chiefs offense at home. Yeah. And we saw them struggle against the Titans offense on the road. And, you know, even, even uh, the, the Patriots the other week, uh, despite hanging on and winning, getting that Cam Newton game winning fumble, they had a bit, they had some difficulty, uh, you know, stopping Damian Harris in the second half and, uh, you know, letting the Patriots get back into it. It was a game that the Bills should have easily won, uh, you know, but they were only kicking uh, field goals and the Patriots were running down long drives and uh, putting the ball in the end zone with Damian Harris. And then they uh, onside kicked after tying the game, which gave Buffalo a short field. So I just feel like this Bills team has been very inconsistent and you're not really sure which team, which Bills team you're going to get on a given week. So now they got to travel out West. Uh, you know, they got to go play a team that, you know, just came off a bit of a heartbreaking loss. Zane Gonzalez, uh, you know, on his 49-yard uh, game-tying field goal attempt, came up just short. It's a game that Arizona could have easily taken to overtime and won it there. Uh, so I, I think there's a bit of a vengeance factor for Arizona here. You don't want to lose at home two weeks in a row. Uh, you know, if you're Buffalo, you want to keep the hot streak going. There's a lot on the line here for both teams. Buffalo needs to continue to keep that gap between them and the Dolphins wide, uh, you know, whereas the Cardinals got to, uh, you know, be able – to stay within that game margin of the Seahawks. Uh, you know, they, they could have taken first in the division, uh, you know, due, due to the fact that the Seahawks lost, but because the Cardinals lost too, they still sit at second place. So this is a big opportunity for the Cardinals to get into first in the division. And this is also a big opportunity for Buffalo to keep the division margin wide. So uh, I think we're, I think we're trending towards an offensive shootout here. I think we're trending towards a plus performances from both teams, just given what's on the line. Definitely. And I think because of that, uh, more, I agree with you in that it's going to trend more towards the offensive shootout. I don't think any team has proved really that they can stop Arizona's offense to this point in the season. And as a result, I think this game suits Arizona uh, in terms of them being able to reign victorious. I think at the end of the day, it's going to be hard for Arizona to fall to five and four on the season and then continue to look towards the playoffs um, and really towards a NFC West crown if they can't you know, stay up there with a Seahawks team that uh, they gave the first loss of the season to that team. So I think this is two teams that have beat the Seattle Seahawks. It's two teams that understand that they can beat each other because of that. And so it is going to be, uh, I think, the motivation factor of the Arizona Cardinals. Understanding that they can't fall behind is going to will them over the Bills. Um, and I'm going to take the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, it really, in, in a high-scoring battle, I think it's going to be 38-31. We're going to see a late touchdown by Kyler Murray led to win the game um, as they, uh, you know, as the really we come to uh, right just the halfway point of the NFL season. Yeah, I'm looking at uh, some key injuries heading into this game. I see Josh Norman's questionable. I see Tredavious White's questionable. I see that for the Cardinals, Dre Kirkpatrick is questionable. Kevin Peterson is questionable. Byron Murphy Jr. is questionable. Those are... Buda uh, Baker. Buda Baker. I don't see him on this list, but Uh, is he... Yeah, he's questionable. He's questionable as well. So among, uh, you know, both teams combined, that is six corners that are questionable coming into this game that's just another reason why i think it's going to be a shootout you know i think with some of the backups in there and some more inexperienced guys at the corner positions both kyler murray and josh allen are going to be able to find success throwing the football 
uh, and, you know, with guys like DeAndre Hopkins and Christian Kirk and Larry Fitzgerald, uh, you know, Kyler Murray should have an easy time spreading the ball around in this game, given the injuries of the Bills. But same thing goes for Josh Allen and his guys, given the injuries to the Cardinals secondary. He should have no problem using his size and his mobility and his arm strength to make the right decisions and get the ball to the guys like Stephon Diggs uh, and Gabe Davis and Cole Beasley. So uh, I think I think with these uh, potential injuries coming into the game, both teams are set up for success. And like I said, it's going to trend towards the shootout. Obviously, I'm a Patriots fan, so I want the Bills to lose. I'm taking uh, the Cardinals 33-27. to 27. It's going to be a good one in the desert Absolutely. on uh, Sunday afternoon. Indeed. Sunday, indeed. E- Sunday evening for us. Sunday afternoon for the Arizona the yeah. Arizonians. Indeed. So, so um, as we come closer to wrapping up our show, Matt and I are going to do something a bit different that we're going to try to start implementing into our NFL shows, and that is a weekly pick We're going to go through every game from the weekly slate of um, the NFL and give you our our winners. And it's really, we're not going to add any analysis. We're just going to say our winners, and we're going to move on. So starting with tonight's game, between the Colts and the Titans, who do you got? I got Phillip Rivers saying a few dad gums as he loses by double digits to the Titans. Double digits. I got the Colts winning tonight. I think the Colts pull it okay. out. Um, I, I, I think uh, that defense is going to be able to stop Derrick Henry and that uh, Titans offense. Jaguars, Packers. Pack. I agree. There's not really much to say about that. Uh, Texans, Browns. I got the Browns. I do as well. Baker Mayfield's going to have a day against that uh, struggling Texas uh, Texans uh, secondary. Washington, Lions. Lions. Lions, I agree. Not even close. I uh, agree. You know, they need a win to keep their season alive. Uh, the football team can't seem to beat anyone that doesn't reside within their division, and that kind of seems to be the case for all NFC East teams. Uh, they don't stand a chance against the Lions. I agree. I'm going to take the Lions for that one, although Matthew Stafford will – um, he might not be able to go because of the shoulder injury. If that's the case, I'm taking Washington um, with Alex Smith at the helm. Eagles-Giants. Eagles. I agree. Let's go Eagles. Um, Bucks-Panthers. Upset of the week, Panthers. Panthers over the Bucks. I uh, I can see it. However, I'm just going to stick with the Bucks for this one. Broncos-Raiders. Uh, I got the Raiders. The Raiders are trending in the right direction with wins over the Browns and Chargers, and I don't I don't see them. I, it could be a trap game, but I, I don't see it. I'm taking the Raiders simply because I think that they can uh, establish Josh Jacobs early. They can use that run game that uh, John Gruden is so um, profound on, and they're going to be able to uh, roll over the Broncos in Las Vegas. Uh, Chargers-Dolphins. Dolphins by more than 10. Agreed, Dolphins. Bills-Cardinals. We already picked that one. I have Cardinals. Cardinals. Yep. All right, Seahawks Rams. Um, I, I think I think the Seahawks will win this one pretty handily. I see people out there picking the Rams to win, and uh, the Rams should have some success against the Seahawks defense. But th- this is a ba- this is a bounce back get right game for Russell Wilson and DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett in that electric Seahawks offense. I agree. I think we see bounce back from Russ. I think we don't see as many picks. I think we see a lot better decisions. And that's why I have the Seahawks not just winning, but winning by double digits. 49ers Saints. Uh, I think the Saints win this one easily. We're not in for as uh, a good of a game as when these two teams met in the Superdome last year. I know that was one of the first games we ever talked about on this podcast. Unfortunately, uh, when these two meet in the Mercedes-Benz Superdome on Sunday, the Saints should win pretty handily. I agree. I think Drew Brees builds off his uh, big win on Sunday night against the uh, against the Bucks, and the Saints take this 
uh, rather handedly against a depleted 49ers team. Uh, Steelers-Bengals. Uh, I got the Steelers. You know, I, I could see the Bengals keeping up, putting up a bit of a fight. I mean, this is a Bengals team that has been able to beat the Titans uh, and find themselves in a lot of close games. Obviously, the Ravens beat them up. But, uh, you know, outside of that double-digit loss to the Ravens, every game the Bengals have played this year have either been a win or a one-score loss or a tie. So I think it would be close. Uh, but also with that uh, rough offensive line that Joe Burrow's playing behind, he might, uh, you know, his first meeting with arch-rival Pittsburgh Steelers might not go his way. Most likely will not go his way. I got the Steelers. I'm taking the Steelers. However, I do think the Bengals can keep up simply because Joe Burrow is their quarterback and he is the guy of the future. Uh, not to say they won't. They might not lose by 10-plus points. However, I do think that they uh, they keep it close at least until into the fourth quarter and the Steelers extend their winning streak to nine, uh, staying undefeated on the season. Ravens-Patriots. Who do you got? I have the Ravens, and I don't think that it's relatively going to be a blowout uh, because of the fact that uh, the Ravens aren't the team that we thought they would be this season, but neither are the Patriots. So I do have the yeah. Ravens, but I have it closer than the seven-point spread. I have it around five points, five to four points um, for this game because I think Cam yeah, that, goes in with a bit of a chip up in his shoulder. That That's my biggest thing. I, I don't think the Ravens are the same team at all that they have been. Uh, especially offensively, last defense has been one of the best in the leagues. But you look at the New England Patriots, they might be getting Stephon Gilmore back. Uh, you know, Dam- Damian Harris was having a pretty good game last week before he got hurt. Uh, you know, with Nikhil Harry and Julian Edelman on the sideline, Jacoby Myers has been uh, able to step up and show what he can do, along with a guy like Demir Bird being able to get more touches. So I think, I think slowly but surely, the Patriots are starting to find a bit of a, uh, identity. Uh, you know, with that O-line, they will be able to continue to run the football. Stephon Gilmore is going to be back, should take some pressure off of J.C. Jackson. I think Lamar is going to struggle to throw a bit, uh, you know, biased, but Patriots in an upset. Uh, I think, uh, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll give it to you. You're a Patriots fan. I'll give it to you. But anyways, uh, I can't. I, think, I, I, can't I know you can't. Game. I know you can't. I think, I think. <laughs> that this week we see a bit of unpredictability from the Ravens offense considering Lamar has come out and said there's too much predictability within that offense. I think that's a coaching issue, and therefore I think that offensive coordinator there in Baltimore is able to fix things and get them to be a bit more uh, uh, unpredictable. Uh, Really, there's no other word to say against a Patriots defense that is not the same as years past because of the missing players that opted out before the season. And wrapping it up with the Monday night game with the Vikings and the Bears, who do you got? I don't even think there's really a need to uh, touch on this one. I think if you pick the Bears, then you I don't know what's wrong with you. The Vikings should win this game easily as the Bears continue to spiral. They will fall to 500, where then from there they will probably drop below and have a miserable end to their season because the Bears are just terrible. I think the Bears are the most fraudulent team to ever be 5-4 and four in the league history. Um, I think that they are, uh, there's no reason for them to even be above 500. Um, And because of that, I think the Vikings are able to handle them uh, very easily, to be honest. I think the defense will give the Bears a few shots to be able to uh, keep it close. However, I don't think that they can stop Dalvin Cook in that Vikings rushing attack. Therefore, I have the Vikings by 14 or more points in Chicago on Monday night. Cool. So that about... Uh, I, I think that's all we got for today. Those are our picks for this week. That's something new that we're trying out. Uh, you know, we'll always give a game of the week and whatnot, but 
uh, you know, take a look around the league. That's what we think is going to happen. It should be another good week for NFL football. Yeah. Uh, any closing remarks before we wrap this up? I just want to throw out a bit of a teaser for next week. The Thursday night game is the Cardinals and the Seahawks, a game that we both saw, uh, at least I watched live um, last yeah. time the two played, and it was a barn burner until the end. We could get On the Sunday same thing. We could get the same thing uh, next Thursday as the Colts and Titans play tonight. However, Seahawks Cardinals possible game of the week option as we look through this schedule, but uh, I, I, that's going to be a big one for the NFL next week. Yeah, and uh, you know Sunday night football the other week, Seahawks Cardinals was a great game. It was Seattle's first loss of the season, where they then ended up getting beat by the Bills. So the Seahawks on a bit of a spiral. If the Cardinals can grab this win, uh, you know, there's going to be a lot of division supremacy at stake in that game. So it's going to be a good one. And uh, it might be our game of the week, might not. We'll take a look at the schedule and uh, we'll see you guys next week sometime. Absolutely. So uh, you guys have a great, uh, great day, great evening, great weekend as we get close to the weekend as it is Thursday as we are recording. Uh, this is going to be released around 6 o'clock tonight. We're recording around 12.52. However, I did want to uh, give the college episode a bit more time. If you haven't checked out the college episode, make sure to go do that right now uh, uh, at Sunshine State Takes on really any major streaming platform uh, that there is. You said 12.52. You hadn't fixed oh, your computer Oh, sorry. Yet. I haven't fixed my... 152. <laughs> That's my bad. That's my bad. I haven't fixed my computer we yet. Probably, we to be fair, we probably started recording around 12.52. Yes, yes, indeed. Um, all right, but thank you all for listening. We really appreciate it, and uh, we'll catch you next time. See you next time, guys. Enjoy the games this weekend. Absolutely. Enjoy the games.